What's going on, everybody? My name is Austin Deer, and I'm back with my buddy Hunter Simons. And we are here to bring you another episode of the Around the Rotunda podcast presented by Dorm Room Sports. Hunter, man, it's a, it's a great week. Uh, Who's are coming off a big win against Miami, um, pulling off a very late victory. Um, what kind of felt like we dominated majority of the game, um, but got lucky by Miami missing a last-second field goal. What are your uh, – how are you feeling this week? And, uh, you know, what are your kind of thoughts taken away from uh, this this win uh, on the road against Miami? Yeah, doing great, man. Um, it's it's nice to be playing on the weekend again. Didn't really love the two back-to-back short weeks. But, uh, hey, we made it through and went one and one over that span. So it's not the worst. In, the um, in terms of the game, yeah, it felt like we were – felt like we were in the driver's seat, like, the whole game. Um it was coming down to, you know, having to get a lucky miss was uh, kind of disappointing. But at the same time, it felt kind of justified, too, that we won that game in the end. So, uh, obviously happy with the result, um, happy with some of the progress I've seen and still have a couple of concerns. So uh, I feel like I'm pretty much had the same sentiments as the entire fan on Twitter. For sure. For sure. It was a lot of it was a huge mix of emotions watching that game and you know, I was I was in the confines of a hotel room, like all by myself, having to watch this game, and you know, like nobody to like talk to about it besides like texting you and Sean back and forth, and uh, it was just uh, a, a huge mixture of emotions. Like I felt very confident after the first half, and the second half, I don't know, I just I always felt like something bad was going to happen, and you know, it, but for some reason we kind of we kind of let them hang around, and uh, there was a lot of kind of reasons as to why, uh, you know. We'll, we'll get more into why that kind of happened. But uh, overall, I, I must say just a win on the road in Miami, which we seem to have struggled to do uh, over the last couple last couple of times we've been down there, I think is a, uh, a huge testament to uh, this program's willingness to fight and uh, to be able to pull out a, a win against against this Miami team is uh, just big, I think, for the for the confidence of the team as a whole. I agree. Um, good to get the monkey off the back and finally get a win down there in Broncos tenure. I think we've been very close every time and had some ugly games, had some shootouts. Um, so I was not shocked at all to see it come down to play the game. Um, I'm just thankful that this time we won. But yes, it's been weird down there, man. Every time we play down there, it's just something weird going on. Uh, just happy to get get out of there and get back to, you know, you know, obviously we're back on the road again, but I got a little bit of an extended stay back in Charlottesville with a uh, a longer time. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see if they can keep some of uh you know ACC road wins. They're not exactly uh you know easy to come by um, at least under Broncos tenure. So it's a, it, you know you always take them how you however you can get them. Um, so hopefully we can use that momentum rolling forward and get a first bill as well for Bronco. For sure, for sure. So, looking back, kind of on the uh, Miami game, obviously uh, the Hoos ended up winning thirty to twenty-eight. Um, kind of looking at some highlights. The first big thing for me um, is obviously the wide receiving group. I think continued to shine, but I don't think they shine really in the ways that we were usually expect them to. Um, Billy Kemp really kind of carried the weight of um, of the receiving corps this week. Um, he he racked in nine receptions for eighty-one yards, but I think the I think just the the one thing that really needs to be addressed here is that catch that Dontavian Wicks had. Um, I believe it was in the first half. Um, pretty much like probably the catch of the year until the until the weekend where one guy had like a ridiculous uh, one handed grab going out of bounds. But you know this is still right up there with some of the best catches that I've ever seen in my life. Um, how do you even make sense of a catch like that? And is it a te- is it a testament to how good of a receiver that Wicks is, or is it just pure luck? <laughs> I would love to say it's the former, but I mean, here, here's my thought, you know, you, you we don't score that down if Brennan Armstrong doesn't have faith in Dontavian Wicks pull the ball down. That said, Brennan should have never thrown that pass in the first place ever. But, um, you know, like I said, he, he wouldn't have felt any confidence to throw that if it wasn't Wicks. So, was I shocked that if anyone on our team was to do that, that it was Wicks? No, not at all. Cause he wasn't the first person I would have 
guessed had a spectacular catch of um, actual analysis of that play. I don't think there's a whole lot you could say other than like kind of dodged a bullet on that one. Uh, Ill-advised throw. And at the same time, great awareness by Wicks to grab it out of the air because like he had mentioned post game, he had no idea that he scored it. He thought he might've just been grabbing a ball that, uh, you know, had bounced off of the turf and just happened to be next to his head. And when he turned, so I'm very thankful he didn't like frustratingly or frustratedly like slap around or anything like that because uh could be a different story altogether here. But um no, I mean it was cool, man. It, it's it's awesome anytime UVA, um, specifically UVA football is highlight on ESPN for you know a couple of days and obviously being the only FBS game being played on there was a lot of people around the country tuned in. So um, I think any publicity is good publicity, especially when it's uh, a top ten, number one play. Sure, sure. No, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it did get. I'm pretty sure it did get the top number one on top ten that mm-hmm. night when I was watching Sports Center, which very well deserved. Um, but so as far as like the rest of the receiving group, um, Keaton Thompson had four receptions for 55 yards. Um, Jacob Rodriguez had two receptions for 24. And Mike Collins, um, which that's kind of wants to lead me into my next point. I was extremely impressed with the way that Mike Collins and uh, Wayne Talapapa performed in this game. Um, Mike was especially really solid out of the backfield when it came to the uh, to the passing game. I thought he provided a really solid option for Brennan uh, when uh, checkdowns were required. Um, so I think we're. Re- I think last. I think the game against Miami was really Mike's coming out party. I guess you could say. Um, because I think we really ultimately just saw the, the most usage out of him that we've seen since he started at UVA. So being able to see him produce the way he did um, was something that made me extremely happy because I've been a Mike Collins believer since he stepped foot on campus. And anybody that tries to tell me otherwise is, has not been listening to me talk at all. Um, this guy's explosive playability is definitely there. Um, and we saw that we saw that on tap uh, against Miami. And honestly, I, I love the way Wayne is carrying the football right now as well. I think I think he's kind of he kind of got I mean, obviously, you know, people question whether or not Wayne is really that explosive back that can really, uh, you know, be productive on a consistent basis for this for this type of offense. Um, but Wayne has really run the football, honestly, pretty well this year. Um, he added a, he had 11 carries for 62 yards, averaging almost six yards a carry, and added a touchdown. Um, this guy is a force in the red zone, and honestly, like I, I seriously don't think I, I don't I can't remember really the last game that we've played where Wayne didn't have a touchdown where he wasn't hurt. Um, I feel like that man just always finds a way into the end zone each game, and um, you know I think just his reliability has is a um, has kind of really been put on notice by the coaches and. Um, it's kind of a reason why they've stuck with him. And I think him losing a lot of weight in the off season as well um, has definitely played. He, se- he definitely seems a little bit more explosive out of the backfield. It seems quicker this year, um, which I definitely think has definitely helped, uh, helped him a lot too. Yeah, I definitely think so too. And it was, it was really cool to see him get an explosive run, um, almost had his career high <laughs> yardage wise. And in terms of, uh, you know, a single rushing play. I think it was like a 27 yard gain when he went down the, the left sideline and he actually looked like he had a bit of burst in his step, um, you know, which was cool to see. And, uh, you know, going back to Mike Hollins, I think one thing that's kind of a cool storyline, I actually haven't heard really anyone bring this up was um, during his, his rookie campaign, he was getting a couple of looks early in the season. Um, and, you know, he had that really poor time fumble uh, at Miami um, in the red zone and then pretty much got, you know, relegated to the bench the rest of the season. So I thought it was kind of a cool, um, you know, I, I thought it was kind of a cool situation that, you know, him Redemption having his story. breakout game, being back down there in the place that kind of threw him on the bench during his, his freshman season. So, um, you know, I, I'm really excited for him. I, you know, I've always been a, a big advocate for, for him as well. I think, um, it's good to see him get 10 plus touches a game, whether it comes through pure running game or getting uh, you know passes out of the backfield. He, he's explosive in space. He's also a hard runner. He's strong, hard to bring down. He's just a good player to have. And I think the Yin and Yang effect too of and Talapapa 
um, you know, kind of keeps defenses on their, uh, you know, on their heels a little bit, especially when they're both on the field at the same time, which we saw a lot of um, on, on their last Thursday night. So I'd love to see them continue to do that, mix it up, and then also continuing to get the ball to Keaton in the rushing game, because you see what he looks like against tired legs. Um, you know, that 36 or 37 yard run that he had, um, if he actually had made a cut to the right on that play, I'm pretty sure he scored or gotten down inside the red zone, but um, he still gained in 37 yards or whatever it was um, running through a pile of people and looking like the only person that wasn't in quicksand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I, one thing that uh, made, made me extremely happy is Jacob Rodriguez only had one carry. <laughs> in the entire game it just goes to show having a traditional running game actually works (laughs) and you know i I gotta give jake rodriguez a little bit of credit too because he he's been better than ira i think it's pretty objective like anyone can say that at this point i would agree with you i will say the kid freaking blocks oh my goodness he's like one Mm -hmm. of blocking receivers or, or running backs on the entire team. It's, it's, it's impressive. Um, a couple of the big gains for both Talapapa and Hollins were because of blocks that were initially set by, uh, by Jake Rodriguez. So that was pretty cool to see. And he, he actually had a couple catches too, where he, he yeah. looks, that's the thing. That's the difference between him and Ira. Ira doesn't get the ball like in, in conventional ways. It's always some sort of trick play to Jacob actually like kind of plays like Keaton where they kind of have to respect his ability to catch the ball down the field. So while I agree with your sentiment, it's nice to see the running backs get carries. And I definitely want to see that trend continue. I will say Jacob has, um, has grown on a lot over the past couple of games. I, I've been impressed with them. Sure. Sure. No, I, I get where you're coming from. It's, I, I, I guess more of the beef that I had was the lack of usage by this talented running back room that we right. had and, it's not like I didn't want to see this kid succeed because I know what sure. kind of talent he has, you know, coming into the program. But it's it's weird when you have to try and explain why your fourth string quarterback is getting more touches than, you know, your your running back group. And so, in, in that aspect, I'm kind of hoping that maybe this was an eye opener for the offensive staff and um, realizing that, you know, yes, we had a lead, but at the same time, like the like Wayne and Mike are capable of creating a very balanced offense and um you know so i think it took a lot of pressure off of brennan as well Mm -hmm. um so i think as you know overall i was uh i was overall i was extremely pleased with uh with that um and then jumping over to the defensive side of the ball i mean this is a this is something that we haven't seen from the defense in the first half let let me let me let me break this up a little bit okay so the first for as far as the highlights go we're going to talk about the first half um, because that's where pretty much all the all the uh, glitz and glamour was with the defense and kind of really showing uh, what we were kind of expecting from them, uh, you know, from, from the start of the season and kind of what we had seen glimpses of in the first two games, and we had kind of lost track of that. So in the first half, the defense gave up a total of 94 yards to Miami, 94. They had a safety. They gave up one scoring drive. And I don't know, I never, I couldn't find the per half totals on this, but the defense ended up having four sacks on the night. Um, so I think that that was just the, that was the total for the entire game. How many of them came in the first half? I do not know. Um, but Mandy Alonzo, I don't know what it, what it is when they go down to Miami. I don't know if things just become personal for him or what, but Mandy becomes a whole different human being on the defensive line uh, when he, when he goes into South beach. So, what what do you think the key was for the defense to have this kind of success and and what what really kind of drove this really eye-opening statement they made in the first half i think you could tell they they definitely made adjustments from the week before and you know even larger adjustments from two weeks before i think you saw steady incremental adjustments um from the north carolina game and i really do believe what bronco said that they played a lot better defensively on a down by down basis against Wake Forest, but just had huge let ups at the wrong time that allowed Wake to like you know be able to establish their will on the game. I talk sort of the next step, but then some additional wrinkles thrown in. One thing that was just very eye catching was on third down packages they were running a one five five on defense. They literally had 
it was either like Mandy Alonzo or I think Famui would be the one down lineman. And then they would have 10 guys standing behind them. And I think that that, you know, lack of predictability from uh, the quarterback for the other team and then for their offensive line as well, um, you know, caused us to get some angles at the quarterback that we hadn't been able to see earlier. Um, so I think that was just a testament to showing that we are making a commitment to trying to do something different. And frankly, it, it kind of worked, especially in the first half. Um, and then just in, at large, beyond just the third downs, we, we got after the quarterback more. We actually sent pressure. We sent four and significantly more than we have in other games. Um, and we got home and it makes you really wonder why this was, why we weren't trying that. Like, it seems the philosophy on defense a lot of the times has been we suck in coverage. So let's throw more guys back there and hope that they can better because we, we dropped eight. No, we three guys, four guys, or 10 guys. So let's just freaking try to get to the source and stop being able to throw the ball in the first place or make him uncomfortable and have to get the ball out quicker. And I think that's what you saw in the first half um, was a, a young quarterback, honestly, like freaking out uh, a lot and happy feet. He was completely missing on throws. He was getting the ball out way earlier than it should have been um, because he'd gotten hit a couple times. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can take some learnings from that and, and try to continue that in the, in the coming games because, um, you know, it worked better than anything else that we've rolled out there so far. And while I know being aggressive on defense makes you susceptible to big plays, it's not like we aren't giving up big plays playing defense either. Um, so I'd rather go down looking like we're trying rather than just being really passive. Exactly. Exactly. It just seemed like when, when more pressure was being put on the quarterback, it just felt like there was a lot more confidence throughout the entire defense. Like mm-hmm. even in the secondary, I felt like they, I feel like there was almost like a, a regained trust in the secondary and they felt, they felt more confident with their, with their assignments. And, um, you know, I just, it, I don't know, things just seemed, things seemed a lot more, uh, I guess, you know, well put together in the first half. And especially when you have a freshman quarterback and Tyler Van Dyke out there, you know, in a huge primetime game, on Thursday night on ESPN, yeah, you want to make him uncomfortable, and that's exactly what they did, and it worked. So we'll, we'll hold off on the second-half aspect of the game but for right now, but uh, it was definitely worth noting how great the defense performed in the first half of this game, and I think the safety especially was a huge, huge way to get some real good motivation on our, uh, on our side and I think really kind of put the uh, – I don't know what the word I'm looking for is um, kind of uh, I don't, really just kind of kept the, uh, I guess, kept the momentum on our side. I, I don't, that wasn't what I was looking for, but it really did keep the momentum on our side kind of going forward to the rest of the game. Right. Um, so the last thing that I really wanted to highlight was uh, the kicking game, which honestly was a kind of a concern of mine when Dunkel was out. Um, but shout out to Brendan Farrell, uh, man went two for two. Uh, on field goals in the in the game, and he looked like he was making them with confidence and authority. Um, he even hit a he hit a long of forty three um, in that game, and mm-hmm. which turns out those kicks were ended up being huge um, at the end of the game. Because um, I mean, we literally won by less than a field goal, so one missed yeah. field goal, and that may, maybe this game doesn't go our way, you know? Right, and you know, the five star kicking recruit missed a field goal so um yeah i was incredibly impressed with him to be honest with you three yarder and even the 30 yarder i mean it was from a pretty tight angle it wasn't exactly an easy kick to make um and like you said he just like exuded confidence um in a way that i wouldn't expect a guy that's honestly like he's only been in the contention for punter before the season mm-hmm. uh he was like our backup punter and and during the spring he was the starting punter before uh jacob finn got here so i didn't know what to expect of him at all and i was incredibly impressed and not that dunkles played poorly this season at all but like i'd be curious to see if there's any sort of competition now when when dunkel is back healthy but however long he's out for i can tell you from personal experience a groin injury is like a nagging one and he might be out for a while i feel confident have you know above average kicking play for a college kicker which is pretty much all you can ask for um, in college football exactly 
for sure for sure and it's it's hard to find good a truly truly good kickers now, nowadays i feel like just cuz you know it's i feel like it's hard hard to come by to be honest with you mm-hmm. um but just the fact that we do have that as a backup to Justin Dunkel and you know like you said there might be some competition going forward um you know maybe that the coaches weren't really expecting to have uh so uh but just regardless if there's competition or not you know, having this backup to, to, to Justin is um, definitely a very relieving feeling. Um, mm. So, so overall I was, uh, I was pleased, especially since it played such an important role in the outcome of the game. Um, shout, shout out to, shout out to Brendan, shout out to him. He did a good job. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, so moving on to the low points um, of the Miami game, um, I, I might get a lot of flack for this and, you know, it, maybe it's just because of the, expectations that we pretty much kind of have for him at this point. But I feel like Brendan Armstrong didn't really have his best game, um, which is kind of kind of wild saying this because we still put up 30 points, um, you know, as a team. And he, But he only went 25 for 44, two, six, 268 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Uh, it, I, it might just have been me. I didn't really think he looked all too comfortable throwing the ball um, last game uh, against Miami. Uh, I, I don't know if – it had anything to do with maybe Miami's bringing a little bit more pressure. I think this is definitely probably one of the better defenses that we had faced up to this point. Um, but regardless, I was, um, you know, Brennan was missing a couple of deep balls, um, especially that, you know, it was kind of uncharacteristic just based on how the, you know, the previous four games had gone. So, um, you know, Hunter, what do you think kind of was the, I guess the difference maker and, and, you know, maybe what, maybe what changed? I don't know. Yeah, just, you know, from the eye test and having played sports myself, and I know you're going to be able to relate to this, like some days you're just not sharp. You're just not yourself. Um, You know, something just feels slightly off. I think you can tell as like an educated sports fan when you're watching someone, the difference between, hey, he's just kind of off tonight. Like he's making the right reads. He's like putting the ball close to where it should be, but it's just like one yard too far, one yard too short. Like, I saw a whole lot more of that versus just straight up like incompetence or like inability. Um, I will say he made a horrible mistake on that, um, on the, the interception and, you know, thinking of it from his perspective, I think I know what the issue was, was that he was having zero success getting the ball to Wicks all night. They were double teaming him. We didn't have Jelani like an additional threat over the middle of the field. So they had the, you know, they had the ability to to really hone in on on Wicks, and they they were you know you could tell Miami's game plan was they were comfortable with us trying to beat them with Keaton and Billy as long as uh, as long as Wicks wasn't the um, and I think he was frustrated and really trying to force the ball to him, and that was a clear one where he was locked in on Wicks, didn't take his eyes off of him from the start, thought he could get him on a quick slant route like say hey let's get 10 yards and just get in the rhythm here and the middle linebacker read it all the way and then honestly the touchdown to wicks was the it was the same thing just waiting in the field he was yep. locked in on wicks there were other guys open he could have gone through his reads but he just wanted his guy to score mm-hmm. um and I can't blame him. I understand. I think, you know, we've all played like NCAA football and you have your favorite receiver that you want to get the ball to. And sometimes <laughs> exactly. you, uh, make a mistake and it's it's understandable and I think he will recollect himself I think if we get Jelani Woods back that will be massive but I also think he's gonna you know Brennan's the type that when he makes mistakes he typically learns from them and doesn't tend to make the same mistakes over and over um you know he's good for a bad interception here and there for sure but I think it was beyond just interception there was just some missed reads um, I think he was frustrated that he was a little bit off and trying to force the issue a lot. Um, but doesn't leave me in a spot where I'm thinking like, oh man, maybe they're not that good. And it was just bad defenses. Like, no, I'm, I'm still feeling very confident with him. It's crazy when he has a bad, you know, he admitted, he literally said he played like crap. And yeah, he's still, <laughs> he still almost threw for uh, 275 yards, and you know he had he basically had 300 yards of total offense, um, and and says he played like crap. I mean, I remember games where Bryce Perkins and games that we won didn't have 300 yards of total offense. You know, it, like it, it's it's um, I think the standards raised, and I think that's a good thing, mm-hmm. and I think he will easily bounce back. I don't see any issues moving forward. 
For sure. And I, and I don't think so either. And this was like, it was kind of a weird thing, like typing out, like, yeah, Brennan was a low point for this game. But I mean, ultimately, the dude's a gamer. And like it, that one bad interception that he had, I, I didn't, I don't really feel like it, he let, he let it affect him the rest of the game. Like, you know, I, I feel like that that's something that would have been different last year. Like it would have yeah. been multiple mistakes over and over again. And I think it's just a, still a testament to how much that Brennan has really grown as a, uh, as a computer, as a quarterback. Um, and I think it's why he's continues to be successful even on his off nights. So, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that he had a bad night and we were still able to go on the road and beat Miami is, you know, a testament to just, how much that this guy is willing to put himself on the line to win a football game. So, sure. you know, I, I think he, uh, I think he really showed out um, well enough um, to be able to get it done. And I think that's really just what you need to continue to do is just be, be good enough. You know, yep. doesn't have to, doesn't have to be perfect every game, but just be good enough. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's been borderline perfect for a lot of the games that we played this year. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the proof is that he put up an absolute career day against North Carolina, shattered all these UVA records, and we mm-hmm. lose by 20. And then, you know, has his worst game of the season, and we win on the road in Miami. Like, it shows you his individual performance, while it does obviously have a huge impact on the outcome of the game, mm-hmm. there's so much more to this football team than, like, just one guy. Yeah. It really, it really makes me wonder, like, if the defense like played like halfway good against North Carolina, like we'd be four, we'd be four and one right now. I feel like there would be a lot different type of conversation surrounding us. I feel like there would have been a lot more confidence going into the weight game as well. Mm-hmm. I think that the defense really didn't fully recover from the North Carolina game, to be honest with you. And I, I don't know, it's just uh, like. I get why. I mean, obviously, I understand why we're three and two, but it really makes me kind of wonder, like, if the defense was better prepared for North Carolina, uh, if uh, you know, we would be kind of evaluating this team a little bit differently right yeah. now, <laughs> yeah, rather yeah. than being three and two and just trying to fight for a bowl game at this point. I think it was literally just like if we could just get one stop in that North Carolina game, confidence changes immediately when you get one stop. Mm-hmm. But like the fact they were just getting pounded over and over felt like there's nothing they can do to stop it. I think that's what really screwed us was mentality just, you know, goes down the drain at that point. But, you know, we could play the what if game forever as UVA fans, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So jumping over to uh, the defense in the second half. So like I said uh, before, we gave up 94 yards of total offense to Miami in the first half. In the second half, we gave up 278 yards of total offense to Miami. That's a huge mm-hmm. difference. Now, given we still were forcing punts, so it wasn't that bad, but the number of big plays that we were giving up were completely making this a close game when it really didn't have any business being a close game. And so yep. a lot of that came down to what was the big common denominator for me is we started just rushing three again and sitting people back in coverage. And it's like we got complacent with this lead that we had. And when you're on the road, I'm sorry, a 15-point lead is not good enough. You need to put, you need to continue to put the pedal down, especially when you have a freshman quarterback up there that probably his confidence is a little bit shaken after the first half and that kind of offensive performance. And you're going to sit here in the second half and just let him throw the ball around. Obviously, yeah. he was capable with his arm. Mm-hmm. It just didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. It made absolutely no sense to me why the change in the game plan. Why would you not stick to what was working? Yeah. And I'll tell you, I actually have an even bigger gripe than not blitzing. We started going back to our thing where we have our cornerbacks playing 10 to 12 yards off of the receiver on the line of scrimmage. In the first half, you go back and watch. We were playing press coverage on the line of scrimmage or maybe at the very most five yards off. And we are just playing much closer to the line of scrimmage, forcing them to get separation early and be physical. And guys, like we have one of the more physical cornerbacks probably in the entire country. And Anthony Johnson, like I'm telling you, that guy on the line of scrimmage is like very, very difficult to get a first step on. Mm-hmm. And in the second half, not only were we not rushing the quarterback as much, but we also were giving them, we were giving them 10 yards of play if they wanted it. And that was infuriating because the way Miami's offense works is they are happy to get 10-yard chunks 
every single play and run hurry up offense, run tempo and get the next play off within 10 seconds of the, you know, the, the previous play finishing. And that's where we've seen trouble this year with this team is when tempo, when, when the other team gets rhythm and tempo, we completely fold and that's our defense collapse. And that's when the 50 yard play happens. And that's exactly what happened on the big rushing touchdown. We were out of position because we just let up like four plays in a row of 10 yards and they were able to get the snap off quick. We had a middle, you know, we had a linebacker out of place. We had a safety out of place and had a guy that's fast enough to take advantage of it with our defense. To me, the strategy is obvious and I don't, not going to pretend to be some expert and I'm not a coach. I'll tell you what I've seen be successful this year is coverage combined with blitzing essentially made it so quarterbacks have to get the ball out quick in a time frame where their receivers are going to even get separation on their first step from a from a corner so I don't understand why we went away from it I think we thought that we could maybe just cruise and play prevent the rest of the game and yeah we might give up seven points but you know they're gonna have to earn it and and do a 10 play drive it's like no the only thing prevent defense does for our team is prevents us from winning. Like, yeah, exactly. That, exactly. It doesn't like, work. It doesn't work the same way. <laughs> yeah. And I have a, and I had a huge gripe about um, the one that Tyler Van Dyke like ran in for, they were like 30 yards out, 25, 30 yards out from the goal line that uh, Tyler Van Dyke ran in. And I'm still fully convinced that, Joey Blunt 100% could have laid a massive hit on him before he got to the goal line. And it's like, he just let up. Uh, And if that's the kind of attitude that is going to be had in crunch time situations, then I, I seriously consider what the purpose is being out there because like, it, it, it almost like, I, I, I just really, I don't understand the amount of times that, we had somebody down with a cramp or something like that in the second half again. Like as it seemed like as kind of things got things got closer, got a little bit more pressure on you. Everybody started to seem to get a little hurt, and I don't know if they're really lacking in the, um, in their I guess longevity, their stamina, going through an entire game. But this is like this is twice now that I've two or three times now that I've seen this where. We've had multiple defensive players getting hurt with cramps or whatever, and are unable or like having it seems like struggling to make it through an entire game. Yeah, you got to wonder which ones are strategic and which ones are true. Um, I don't. I mean, we are not good against the tempo. Like seriously, we are not good against tempo offense, and it's it's on. I don't like it. I don't want to be the team that's doing it. To be quite frank with you. But one of the ways you can combat that is stop the game with an injury. Um, yep. I do believe that some of them are true injuries, that that being said. But there's a couple where I'm, I'm a little skeptical, especially when I was at the North Carolina game. And I can literally see them when they go over to the sideline and they're just standing there ready to go in the next play. There's no evaluation being done on the sideline. Um, right. But that being said, uh, yeah, you have to question the will, I think, too. I think there's a mentality um, – when the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? Like that Joey Blunt play you call out, like it's weird that he's the that like was the subject of that question, yeah. right? Typically he's one. If I had to put my money on any player you may being like the most headstrong player, I would pick him because of the way he plays the game. And look like to extrapolate this out to like to talk about whether or not he has a lot of hurt because I know he does. And I yeah. get it. He made a, made a mistake on that play. He should have put in a full effort. Might have misjudged the angle or maybe thought someone else was going to catch. Him. And I get it. It's a mistake, but it just can't happen again. No. Kind of stuff cannot be reinforced. For sure. For sure. So, but anyways, they did enough to where we were <laughs> able to stay in the game. And even though they, even though they let him down and uh, down the field and, let it up to a, a last second field goal, you know, we we still managed to get enough stops to where our our offense was able to do enough to win us this football game. So 
overall, hats off to the defense. Good for you. Uh, you know, there's still a lot that needs to be improved on, but I'm hoping to maybe see that against Louisville this week. Um, the last thing I really want to – I just want to make one note of before we move on from the Miami game, uh, what the hell was Bronco thinking with that clock manage- management at the end of the game? Um, first of all, why I, – I, and I guess the main gripe that I have is what was the point in having the game clock get all the way down to 13 seconds and then you decide to blow your first time out of the hat? Yeah. Yep. He, I, mean, I, uh, felt like, I felt like Mike London had taken over the headset. Yeah, in the moment, I was absolutely irate, um, very frustrated, and honestly, just probably annoying the crap out of complaining to him. Um, Bronco actually talked about this last night on the coach's corner, maybe it was two nights ago. Um, I don't know if this is just retroactive, like covering your butt, or if this is real, but he actually said there was a miscommunication with the sideline judge. He basically asked him, like, is the clock going to start? and was told that the clock was not going to start. Basically, it was a dead ball. Either a guy went out of bounds or whatever it was. So he was standing there, you know, ready to make the timeout if if he knew the clock was running. But he didn't know until 30 seconds had run off the clock or 25 seconds, whatever it was, and then, you know, impulsively took the timeout. I think all of us would have looked for him at that point to just see that play out, get a stop, and call your first timeout. you know, maybe it was an impulse thing where he's like, oh, crap, I thought I thought you said the play. Clock. I don't know. But regardless, I was like, is this like, honestly, yeah. it, it was shades of Mike London big time. It was giving me flashbacks to this game. Oh, man, it was probably when we were like early high school or maybe even. Yeah, it had to be sometime in high school when we were at Tech and Tech won on like a game winning field goal where we let, literally let them do the exact same thing that Miami did to us and just milk the clock out and then mm-hmm. kick kick a field goal with three seconds left when Mike London was sitting there with a timeout in hand and you can maybe get the, the ball back and try to score. Um, so, yeah, I was <laughs> I was irate, to be to be frank. Um, I, I'll give Bronco the benefit of the doubt because, generally speaking, he's been very good with time management over – you know, his, his tenure here, but in that specific moment, I was about to lose my mind. <laughs> I was, I was so confused. Like, nothing made, like it, it literally made absolutely no sense. I'm like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. But luckily, luckily it didn't come back to hurt us. Thank goodness. But uh, going forward, I would like to, I guess, have better usage of our timeouts, but usually, like you said, Broncos honestly have been pretty good about that. Uh, um, at least as far as uh, his, you know, past uh, past coaching experience and everything. So, uh, so moving on, you know, obviously the the Who's take on Louisville on the road this week. Um, this is a team that is three and two, I believe. Yes, three and two. Um, they have had kind of an, I guess what you would say, a little bit of an up and down season. Um, they took Wake. Um, well, I don't, I don't, I guess you really wouldn't say they've had an up and down season. They've honestly played some pretty solid teams uh, at the beginning of their season. Uh, they took Wake Forest all the way down to the wire last week. Uh, they, uh, they only lost 37 34. Um, so this is definitely a team that can compete. And that was on the road too. That was at Wake Forest. So that's impressive in itself. Um, also, uh, they, I mean, they, they kind of got blown out by Ole Miss. Um, but regardless, you know, that was first game of the season, almost is a pretty solid football team this year. Um, but besides that, they've beaten UCF, beaten Florida State and Eastern Kentucky. Obviously, Florida State and Eastern Kentucky don't mean a whole lot, but a win against UCF, I think, is a very, very respectable win on their part. Um, so this is a team that's kind of been hard to figure out this year. I feel like they have like a lot of inconsistencies, kind of like us, but at the same time, have that potential to be really solid. Um, so as far as like a couple of players to kind of look out for for them, um, obviously Malik Cunningham is their uh, starting quarterback and he uh, he's probably one of the most feared dual threats in the ACC if not one of the most feared dual threats in the country um, just because of what he can do strictly with his legs and I think his arm talent has definitely improved a lot over the last year um, just kind of based off his stats alone and kind of what I've seen in games um, so he's got over 1,300 yards on the season with seven touchdowns and two interceptions. Now this is now so obviously pretty standard numbers for a quarterback um, through five games, at least more on the dual threat side. This is the one thing that's kind of like the most, I guess, 
stand out to me. So he's got 70 carries for 309 yards through five games with 10 touchdowns. He mm-hmm. has 10 touchdowns on the ground through five games he leads, as a quarterback. Like, like not that's just quarterbacks. Insane. The whole country. That's insane. Yeah. Insane. No, it's, it's impressive. Yeah. So Malik, so Malik Cunningham is somebody that I think – the, I mean, obviously, the offense really just kind of runs through him, and I, I and I've been a full believer ever since he's been the starting quarterback at Louisville. If you stop him from running football, you're going to be successful against Louisville. Plain and simple. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, his arm talent has improved a little bit. But this is a guy that has really he wants to run the football. He doesn't want to throw. He wants to run. Plain and simple. Um, so, yeah. Uh, how much have you – I guess have you have you gotten to watch Malik Cunningham at all and kind of what are your thoughts on it? I've actually watched a lot of Louisville this season, weirdly enough. Um, I definitely watched the entire Miss, Ole Miss game. I watched the whole UCF game with my buddy who's a big UCF fan. And then I watched the great game this past weekend. And, I mean, you're on the head. Literally, if he's not effective, they're bad, like offensive. I mean, if, if he is effective, they're really, really good. So it, it is literally just one guy and his ability at offense. They have a lot of speed, um, as always. Um, if they always are trying to get guys in space, yet most things are around the line of scrimmage. So he's not throwing the ball 30 yards down the field hardly ever. Um, it's all on like a rollout. Um, you know, they love the play action, RPO style offense. Um, the way I think you beat them is you keep him contained within, you know, basically don't let him get to the edge, keep him in the boundary, you know, keep him inside the field, keep him away from the sideline. Um, because when he is in space, like you're never going to catch him. He's mm-hmm. seriously like electric with the ball in his hands. It's kind of unbelievable. He looks a lot like Lamar Jackson when he's wrong with the football. It's yeah. I, I know people are like, yo, don't, Comparison. He's no Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he's no he's like near as good. He's as... like a poor man's Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah, he literally is like, he's a poor man's Lamar Jackson. That's like, but a poor man's Lamar Jackson is still pretty freaking good. Like that's yeah. that's how I see him, and I think he's a great player. Um, he he is very prone to making mistakes though. When you do get pressure on him, um, he will underthrow balls. Um. I've seen so many passes this year that I thought should have been intercepted by linemen when he's like getting pressured where he just completely like softballs, um, you know, a throw. And if a defensive lineman could actually just catch the ball and fall down with it, um, it would have been a complete story. That being said, um, yeah, if we let him hang around in a game, like he's going to make us. That's how I feel about it. So, uh, you know, I, I think that he's an incredibly talented player and someone to keep an eye on. But if we are able to bottle him up, I don't think a lot outside of him that's that dangerous. Uh-huh. And yeah, that's what I was kind of looking at. Um, you know, you Jalen Mitchell, who's their starting running back, who's gotten 70 carries for 331 yards and he's only had one touchdown. Um, you have their leading receiver, who's just so happens to be a tight end. Uh, Marshawn Ford, and he kind of has the ability to play like a true receiver as well, but he's still a tight end. He mm-hmm. doesn't have nearly the size of your typically tight of your typical tight end, um, and he's so he's had twenty three receptions for two hundred forty one yards and one touchdown. Let's be honest, this entire offense runs through Malik Cunningham. You yeah. stop Malik Cunningham, you stop Louisville's offense. Right um, now, as far as like you know, their games have gone. Um, they they still put up a lot of points. Like they're they're going to score. And so it really just comes down to what this defense is going to be able to do. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to kind of like what you said, you have to be able to contain him um, and keep him inside the pocket or at least keep him in the middle of the field. You don't want to let him get space. Um, And I think a lot of it's going to come down to is our guys being able to, you know, really, really, uh, you know, keep him inside the blocks and, you know, hopefully rush, rush the inside gaps and, you know, be able to get some pressure on him and make him make those mistakes with some overthrown or underthrown balls could, lead into very timely interceptions. Right. Um, so, yeah. And Austin probably should have touched on this last segment, but one thing that I did notice in the first half that was much improved by our defense and a big reason why we played so much better was we set the edge significantly better on running plays. And even on like rollout type of plays, we were actually present on 
you know, the outside of the offensive tackle. Whereas like in the first few games, especially I even noticed it against Illinois when they ran the ball out a lot of success against us. They just didn't do it very often. Thankfully, mm-hmm. um, that was one thing I saw significant improvement of. And I think that was one of the schematic adjustments was we actually had linebackers playing off the outside shoulder of defensive ends. Um, so yeah, I, if we're able to set the edge, like you said, keep him in the middle of the field wherever possible. I think that is like, you know, the strategy that you have to roll with against them. For sure. For sure. And um, as far as on the defensive side of the ball, um, this is a team that they have given up a lot of points this year, but it's also kind of hard to tell just from kind of when you look at them statistically, they seem like they would be a pretty solid group. Um, their front seven, especially, um, I think really does a solid job. Um, Yasir Abdullah, uh, really, I think is kind of one of the leaders on this group. Um, he's got four sacks uh, through five games, and this entire group has 13 sacks altogether through five games, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, I think the uh, the the main guy to really look out for um, in their secondary is Keytrell Clark. I think if we keep the ball away from him, we'll be uh, – be in pretty good shape. This is <laughs> this guy is a real force in the secondary. He's got three interceptions already this year, which is uh, extremely impressive. I mean, most guys would kill to get three interceptions in just a year uh, alone. It's so, been a career, possibly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, having three interceptions through five games is uh, something that's you know definitely stood out to me right from the get go. And um, I would not be surprised to see him guarding Dontavian Wicks for the entire uh, for the, pretty much the majority of the game. You know. Yeah. He's a uh, he's a an eight oh four kid actually. Um, believe it or not, that we let uh, slip through the cracks. Um, so you know, good for him. Obviously, love, <laughs> yeah. to, see, love to see the local talent um, balling out against uh, against Virginia on other teams, of course. But uh, <laughs> yeah. obviously, jokes aside, there um, he's a good player. Definitely been impressed with him. Their defense reminds me a little bit of what we were like in the back half of last year when we were having success, and it's essentially. We're going to give up a ton of yards. You're going to have so many big chunk plays against us, but we will stiffen up around the red zone and make the occasional sack or get a pick or get a fumble and just make enough plays that our offense can, you know, go out and still have a chance to win the game. And that's how they play defense. And what we what we need to do offensively is instead of getting a 60-yard gain and getting the ball down inside the 15-yard line, we need to score. Like we have yeah. to score like touchdown, mm-hmm. which we've been pretty good at doing so far this year. And I'd like to see continue. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think, I think that you're going to have to, you're going to have to be able to keep up with, uh, with, with, uh, with this team because they are going to score a lot of points. And I think that's probably my, my biggest concern is you have somebody who runs the football a heck of a lot better than Sam Howell did does. And we saw what kind of issues we had with Sam Howell when it came down to it. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about facing a dual threat quarterback again. Um, you know, we haven't really faced one that's a, I guess you would consider a true dual threat since Sam Howell, um, because I don't really think Wake Forest or uh, Miami offered up that type of offensive game plan. Um, so I'm a little bit nervous about this game for that aspect only. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe with Malik Cunningham not having the same abilities throwing-wise that Sam Howell does, that we might be able to put a little bit more emphasis on the run this week. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if I think that needs to be the number one priority. You stop them from running the football, you become a lot more successful as a um, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so moving on uh, into kind of our keys to victory, um, something that obviously we've been touching, we've been touching on for a little bit now, uh, contain Malik Cunningham in the pocket. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, his touchdown, his 10 touchdowns on the years on the ground show that he is a real issue on his feet. Um, he is a better passer than he was last year, but he can, uh, but I think he definitely can be beaten if he's forced to throw the football. I mean, this is something that, you know, we've beaten into a dead horse up to this point. But I yeah. think it's extremely important as like that's like the that's the reason why I had it as like number one on the keys to victory. Like this is the way to beat Louisville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. He he has never proven an ability to just completely only beat you with his arm. It always is his arm, his pass game, 
thrives off of the success of his ability to run the ball and the way the defense has to respect that. And in my opinion, I completely agree. I say you load up, you make him throw down the field. I mean, it's crazy because with our secondary, like begging someone to throw the ball to them, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it's better than the alternative because if we allow him to get to the outside, I mean, we saw last year in the game, he had his career high rushing against UVA with 197 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> I was and... just I was just looking at the previous about about yeah. look at last year's game and I was like I was like what was the difference maker in this game? We gave up 317 yards on the ground yeah. to that team. And he had 200 of them alone. I mean Yeah. And they only scored seven, they only scored 17 points. But yeah. here's the difference maker. We made him throw the football. He was 13 for 21 with 161 yards and an interception. Yeah. So like there was a there was one hundred percent a complete difference maker there, and so sure make him throw make him run you can let him run all day if you want, but ultimately when it comes down to it, if you can stop the run well enough to make him throw the football, I think you become a lot more successful. Ultimately. And that's the whole emphasis on contain, the word contain versus stop. Mm-hmm. You're not going to stop him. Like you're not going to that guy. He's talented. He's a good player. He's done it for years, and everyone schemes up a defense yeah. to try to stop him. And the reality is you can't. So what you do have to do is sustain long enough, keep him on the field long enough, let him get maybe a chunk play here and there, but don't let him score and then force mm-hmm. him to beat you with his arm in the end. And that's the, the key to success is, you know, he's just not that talented throwing the ball down the field. He's going to want to throw it within five yards of the, the offensive line. That's just how they play. <laughs> yep. As yep. simple Pretty as that. Short. For sure, for sure. Um, the, so the next point is uh, offense needs to start quick. Uh, I, I think just based off of what I'm kind of expecting this game to be, I think it's going to be a shootout. Um, I'm expecting Louisville to score at least 35 points, and quite frankly, I think we need to put up at least 40, in my opinion, um, if we want to win this football game, just kind of what the uh, ongoing trend has been with our defense. Um, is Miami game aside, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but – just kind of based off what we know about what this, what kind of offense this is uh, for Louisville. I, I, Brennan needs to be definitely a lot more consistent than he was last week. And I think, I think he bounces back. I, I think having some time off and be, having, letting this team rest a little bit is definitely going to be extremely beneficial for them. Um, but this is definitely going to be a hostile environment. I believe uh, there um, those, those fans do show out. And I think it's going to be a very, uh, very important game um, for the rest of the season and offense needs to become ready to go. And uh, so I think it's going to come down to Brennan being more consistent on the deep throws, making improvement from last week on that and establishing the run early is going to be extremely important as well. Because if you do that, feed, feed Wayne, feed Mike, give them the football and then let Brennan do his thing. I think we'll have a, we'll have a lot of success and be able to put up a lot of points against this team. Yeah. And I think a key here as well as, you know, one way that we were able to combat Miami was they were hardly on the field offensively because we were able to actually draw out some, the drives a little bit, um, run some clock, you know, when you're actually running the ball a little bit, it, it, you know, when we have an incompletion offensively, the clock stops. And when you run the ball and you get this, you know, three or four yards. Yeah. It's not like exactly like a successful play, but from the standpoint of the other team's offense not being on the field, I, I consider a three-yard run a success as long as mm-hmm. it's first, second, or first or second down. Um, so I say keep them off the field, sustain drives, get their defense tired, and try to have our defense on the field as little as possible. For sure, for yeah. sure. And um, third main thing is uh, when the turnover battle. Obviously, we've talked we talked about how Malik Cunningham can be very turnover prone. Um, so I think as long as we hold on to the football in this game and kind of force a couple maybe untimely turnovers from Louisville, I think uh, mm-hmm. I think this could be the real difference maker in this game. Um, and so, you know, I, I think uh, I think we've been good about not turning the ball over this year. Um, besides a few a uh, few little mistakes, which I mean, honestly, besides the last week, Brennan's only had Brennan's only really had like two like true interceptions, in my opinion. I think um, just overall, but uh, regardless, I think we definitely have improved on that aspect of the field, and um, you know we've held, done a great, good job of holding on to the football in the running game. I'm pretty sure we only have one fumble on the entire year, 
Um, so if that continues, and I think if we hold on to the football and, like you said, it sustained drives, I think, uh, you know, the de- I think that a lot of it's going to come down to is just defense getting pressure. And, um, you know, if they if they do do that, then we will win the turnover battle. I think the defense will make a couple of big plays. Yeah, and if you look at the history of this series, um, you know, over the past four or five years, it really has been a game of turnovers. Um, honestly, if I'm, if I'm just being real, last year, like Louisville probably could have won the game against us but they just turned the ball over at the worst possible moments and we took advantage. Um, so, and, and if I remember correctly, the last time we played down there, we basically lost because we turned the ball over twice in the red zone. So we've got to hold on to the football. We, they will turn the ball over if you play sound assignment uh, football. So, you know, I, I think I, I like our chances in that regard, if we are able to, to be positive in the turnover margin. For, for sure. So, Last thing, uh, obviously, just keep the momentum from last week. Um, you know, getting a huge win on the road, uh, playing back-to-back road games. I think this game is extremely important uh, for as far as the rest of the season goes because if you win this game, you have two more two two games for the homestand, and those are two very winnable football games against Duke and Georgia Tech. Uh, so if, if we can uh, if we can take if we can find a way to squeak one out, it doesn't have to be pretty, but find, I think getting a win here would be huge. I think it's going to instill, instill a lot of confidence for the team, but it's also going to, I think, really increase the fan confidence as well. I feel like fans don't really know what to think of this team quite yet. Um, I think, I think you know, the win against Miami is moving things in the right direction, but I think a win over Louisville on back-to-back road games um, would be huge. And, um, you know, I know it's, I know it's Duke. I'm not really expecting too much of a crowd for that one, but maybe with Georgia Tech, we get a little better of a time slot and, uh, you know, things could uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll start seeing more fans kind of jump into the stadium as uh, as that winning record continues to improve. That's all you can hope for, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So you want to move uh, over to predictions? Yeah, yeah. So uh, what was so what was our original predictions um, when yeah. the season started for this game? So back in our preseason predictions, pop, I had predicted a forty-five to thirty-four win. Um, and you had predicted a 28 to 24 loss. So I'll go first. I still kind of like that scoreline 45, 34. I think if we are to win, it'll probably look something like that. Um, I, I'm good, honestly, like, and I'm not the type to really be like, you know, overly optimistic when it's not necessarily deserved, but I really, mean, uh, sometimes you got to grind out and win ugly. Um, and, you know, we played pretty well in that game. I thought we deserved it. Um, and they, you know, they almost found a way to lose. But in the end, they found a way to win. And sometimes you need to get lucky. Um, and I don't think that's a, that's a bad thing. And I know the confidence, you, you know, you're able to overcome some adversity like that. So I like their, um, I like the fact that we have a little bit of extra rest, a little bit of time to figure out this defense and what, we're, what exactly we're going to do. Um, and hopefully get some of the guys that were hurt last um, back healthy, especially Jelani Woods. I think that could be a huge difference maker on offense. So I'm going to stick with that score, uh, 45 to 34. It's got a good ring to it. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to stay with it. All right. Yeah, I definitely don't think uh, my my score line is going to hold up. I think, I think there's definitely going to be a lot more points scored in this game. Um, and – I was a little bit when I think I made this original pick. I think I I had it on that basis that we we were gonna lose a road we were gonna lose a road game that we really weren't supposed to lose or it's just mm-hmm. a game that was gonna be like a hard one for us or whatever. While I do believe this is gonna be a hard road game for us, I think that North Carolina pretty kind of has already like already been that one road game. So I'm gonna switch my pick around for this. So I'm actually gonna go 34-31. Uh, Virginia on this I think we do find a way to pull out a win um, it's going to be hard it's going to be tough but I think uh, I think maybe a, a, a stop maybe sometime in the fourth quarter is going to pr- prove the difference uh, for us and uh, hopefully either uh, Justin Dunkel or Brendan Farrell can uh, you know give us a field goal to uh, take the lead that late in the game and uh, we can and we can hold on for hold on for a victory there hope so man It'd be a great outcome for sure if we're able to do it Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, one last thing before uh, we close out the pod, I uh, just want to say a big shout out to uh, Dave Kane. Uh, obviously he uh, took the uh, radio play by play job at the Milwaukee Bucks. So we just want to send a big shout out to him um, and a big congrats, a very well-deserved 
um, promotion for him. Obviously, it's going to be weird having somebody else as the uh, voice of Virginia Athletics, but uh, he, uh, we just want to thank him for his time at the University of Virginia and uh, what he's definitely – what he has meant uh, to uh, to the, all the great moments that uh, have come uh, in, in major Virginia athletics. So definitely wish him nothing but the best. Yep, plus one on everything you said. Um, there's definitely memories over the past 15 years or so that he's been here that are ingrained into my mind with his voice commentating it. I'd mm-hmm. say that's the sign of like a really good play-by-play commentator. Remember the play on the field without hearing the guy as well in your head. So wish him all the best. Go into a great organization as well, obviously. Um, you know, hope to see uh, them continue their run of success and him be able to have the opportunity to, you know, maybe call a, an NBA final or something like that. So, um, yeah, congrats, Dave. We're happy for you. I miss you. And at the same time, looking forward to whoever's next. For sure. For sure. So, all right, well, folks, this is all we have for you guys today. Um, you know, we really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. As always, you know, go ahead and give us a follow on the socials if you haven't already. Um, we're very active over on Twitter, so give us a follow over there. Um, but, Hunter, as always, it was a pleasure, man. And uh, be sure to make sure you guys watch the game. It's 3 o'clock on ACC Network, I believe. I think that's right. Um, so, yeah, three, <laughs> yeah, 3 o'clock on ACC Network. Check out your who's uh, this weekend. And uh, if, uh, you know, we – We'll uh, be back next week with another podcast, and we'll see everybody back in Scott Stadium next week. Yep. Go Hoos. Go Hoos.